This is ECW original Iron Man Tommy Cairo. And I'm here today to tell you that on July 24th, I'll be in Hamburg, Pennsylvania at the Hamburg Fieldhouse for the Fan Fest at the ECW Reunion podcast table with none other than my nemesis from back in the day, the Sandman. This is a rare photo op, an opportunity to talk to us about the history of ECW and the beginning of the hardcore revolution, which we were responsible for, regardless of what history may tell you. So come down July 24th to Hamburg, Pennsylvania, and we'll tell you what really happened. I'll tell you one thing, I know I'll be there. Will you? This week on Reliving the Extreme, no show review this week, folks. Nate Maxson here with you. We are actually joined for a conversation this week with ECW original Tommy Cairo. Some great stories from Tommy, Chad and Tommy talking about the backstage area of ECW back in the day. Very fascinating conversation. I knew I wouldn't have to say much this week because Chad and Tommy would take over and that is exactly what we wanted to happen so it was a great conversation with tommy cairo there are ice cream trucks involved i apologize but i mean that is what it is there are ice cream trucks involved but we had a great time and uh let's just go ahead and get into it our conversation here on reliving the extreme with the one and only tommy cairo enjoy everybody hey tommy welcome to the zoo Hey, thanks, guys. What's happening? Finally, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just to give you, anybody wants to know what the business can do to you, I am flat on my back right now, um, just about unable to move. <laughs> so this just is what, uh, yeah, terrible, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm flat on my back, too, but it's not because of wrestling. <laughs> Chad, that's you? That's me. Holy crap, I don't know man. What this is. is it my foot or something? I haven't seen I haven't seen you in years, man. Can't see you now. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what, Tommy? Um, I was gonna try to hold this off until later on because I wasn't sure if you remembered it. But the last time that I met you was at a, a Carluzzo show, okay, <laughs> in, in Atlantic City. In Atlantic City for Carluzzo, really. Yeah, you walked up to me, and I, I I looked at you, and you went, hey, Chad. And I went, oh, my God, he remembered me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. For some reason, why, I'm wondering why Atlantic City and Dennis Corluzzo doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> well, maybe not Corluzzo, but, I mean. Was it my, my shows that I was running? Well, I don't know. You tell me. It had all the, well, it had all the staples, the Kodiak Bear. It had uh, Super Really? Snack. Dino Caruso. Huh. Um, it that's, was a, that's interesting. It was on the beach, I think. 
on the beach. Oh, yeah. I don't think that was – you know what? I think you're right. Was New Jack there? Well, I don't know. Do you remember? You don't remember? Not New um, I, mean, I try to forget it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Rhino was there. Um, it was an outdoor show. It was from some one-and-done guy. I don't think it had anything to do with me or my stuff. Um, I do remember um, Pammy being there. And I hear this music playing, and I'm like, the show hadn't even started. I'm like, what's this freaking music? They're like, Pammy's like, oh, that's New Jack's music. I'm like, yeah, why is it playing? Is he coming out? Is it? Is there's no match going on. Why is it? Oh, well, that's well, when he's here, when he's on a show, they play. I said, get the fuck. You gotta be kidding me. What is that? Was his car no. just pulling up? <laughs> like, he, he, you know, he just like, yeah. he's just playing Man his own food. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, 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 I often laugh when I, I hear how people make, want to make such big, you know, stars out of people, and 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 I don't know what it was about New Jack, but when I saw him, be unable to put away Gypsy Joe, so I don't know if you ever saw that video of him and Gypsy Joe working mm-hmm. a match, and oh yeah, he beats up. Well, if you watch it, Gypsy Joe walks away at the end. He's still standing. <laughs> he was like seventy two. Yeah, and, and and if you're such a, he just walked away. Yeah, you could. New Jack couldn't even couldn't even beat this old guy up. The guy walked away. He never finished them. The guy didn't lay there. He was still walking around. I was Tommy, like, Tommy, and then, Tommy, hang on, just a second, here. hang on. <laughs> you're talking about that New Jack couldn't beat up a 72 year old guy, but what about what he did to me? What did he do I was to you? Like 24. Did he stab you? No, he beat the shit out of me. It's on the network. Unreal. <laughs> Unbelievable. Because he, he, that other video of him stabbing that guy in the ring, it's just appalling. And the, the, the dude was such an idiot. He's like, well, if you train me, I won't press charges. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I was at, um, I got married in May, Tommy. Like oh, May congratulations. You know, you know, thank you. And um, the day the day that we were having our rehearsal dinner, I got a text message from my buddy Roy Lucier, and he uh, he goes, uh, "New Jack died," and I literally said, "That's the best wedding gift somebody ever gave." Absolutely, yeah. Jerk because off. Uh, like not only did he <laughs> did he not beat me up, he lied about beating me up, and then I guess yeah. he expect me to lie about him beating me up. Like the character <laughs> on the lie, <laughs> like, unreal. Just to keep well, going, yeah, that's right. New Jack beat me up. Like he did, he did so much nothing to me, right? You know that, that I was just like, I don't. Well, what is this? And then when he when he did hit me in the he hit me in the side of my leg with a chair, and it caught me in that crevice, you know, by the kneecap, right? And and uh, the other guy goes. Get the fuck out before he kills you. And I'm thinking, like, what the fuck did I do? Unbelievable. I didn't do anything. And then like, when he- you watch the shoots of uh, New Jack talking about it, right. he says, he says, and Tommy, you probably will attest to this too, because in ECW, you know how it works. When you're putting together a match, you normally walk up to the guy 
you say, hey, how you doing, right? Sure. And then what do you want to do? What do you want to do, right? New, New Jack said that I was a, I was a, I had all these spots that I wanted to do, and I knew that I was a jobber in the match. Like right. there was no spots that I wanted to do. I was just there to get dog fed, you know. Unreal. Well, you know the funny thing is, as I found out over the years, a lot of the guys that people perceive to be tough guys, the reality of it is, and I lived the history and I've been there. In that ECW locker room, I could have cleaned the clock of anybody and everybody in there, including the fact that I pumped down 911 Big Al when I had bought a ring from him and Teddy and I still owed them a payment and I hadn't seen or talked to either one of them. He calls up. He's at the building, Imaginations in Jersey, ready to take the, the, the ring. I said, let me tell you something, Al. You t- touch that ring. Here's what you better do before you take that ring. You better show up at my doorstep and pay you the money that I did give you, okay? Or I'm going to come down there before you leave, and I'm going to wipe the freaking floor with you, you big <laughs> jerk off. All right. So nobody was a tough guy. Tommy Dreamer was no tough guy. Oh, Taz, was no, Taz was no tough guy. You know, none of those guys were tough guys. Sabu was a punk, no tough guy at all. All thought they were tough guys, and I got a little bit of an attitude going back then because I was really in a good spot uh, until Paulie came. And then it took Tommy Dreamer and Taz to basically take my spot. Two New York guys, two Paulie guys. And if anybody remembers, well, the stuff that we were putting out back then, like the programs and stuff, was talking about me with my 11 variations of suplexes. And then all of a sudden, you know, Taz comes and that's gone. And then they put Dreamer in my place with, with Sam, man. Oh, man. Because that's just Paul Lee, that's, that's Paul Lee, man. That's yeah, Paulie Paul 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 didn't, didn't like me. And yep. changed the script. Yep. And, and, you know, I got news for people. We were selling out with Eddie Gilbert. They weren't – it wasn't like we weren't doing well and Paulie came. Well, I, I wouldn't get carried away with the selling out. You were starting to draw people. No, well, right, right before Paulie came when – yeah, we, we we drew okay. We were drawing 800 people in the, in the arena before they even put the freaking bleachers in. Bleachers. <laughs> that's what I. That's something I was going to ask you, Tommy. That was actually on my list of questions. Was what what was the the starkest difference when they sw- when Polly took the took over from Eddie? Well, the first thing I didn't like is he totally disrespected uh, the, the, both um, Eddie Gilbert and and Doug Gilbert, um, and. I think um, he he had an idea of what he wanted to do before he put it in place, and he was working again against uh, Gilbert behind his back. And when it went down in the locker room that day, he's lucky he didn't get his ass kicked because Doug Gilbert was ready to rip Paulie apart. Um, <laughs> do, do you remember when Doug – were you there when Doug was swinging the baseball bat? Yeah, yes. And he was, and he was hitting the, mo- the monitors – and hey, what about like, this? If anybody goes out there and tries to stop Eddie, you got to come through me first. Yeah. Now, what about the dude that wore the, the blow-up muscle suit? Who was that? Oh, I, I don't know about that. I was too busy <laughs> running from Doug. It was, he was related to the Gilberts. He was very thin. Oh, um, uh, um, Kevin uh, Lawler? Is that, is that Lawler? Yes. Kid? Yes. They put him in this suit that you... You blow up the muscles, like, with a valve. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I never saw anything like it. They must have bought it in, like, a Hollywood 
you know, place where you put, get stuff to sh- make a guy look like Superman or whatever underneath his suit. Tell it was an actual wasn't, wasn't suit. Sheik on that show, the original Sheik? Yes, he was. Because yep. that was one of the craziest nights of my life. After I'm running around, after I'm getting, oh my God, what's going on? I'm getting choke slam, I get this and this and that, and run back to the back, and I see the original Sheik. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm just like, what, what, what the fuck am I involved in? Okay. Yeah, it was, with this. Well, Paulie was trying to pull in, you know, like, like he he didn't do anything that's not done been done before, and all he did was mimic what FMW was doing at the time, um, and, and bring in all those guys. Yep, he brought in, uh, you know, Crash the Terminator. He brought in those uh, the big uh, um, black kids that did the moon salts and for four hundred pound guys. <laughs> no, the headhunters. Yeah, yeah headhunters. Was the, name too, wasn't it? the big black kids. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Miguelito Perez. He brought a, a lot what, of the Puerto Ricans in. That's what Bob Those guys Ortiz just called, that's what Bob Ortiz called them. And from Puerto Rico, the big black kid. <laughs> you've all come here. You've all come here to watch them walk around. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of crap going on. But any specific on, Yeah, that was the Headhunters. It was Mat it was Matsunaga and Mokegi. Yep. Um um, yeah, I got pictures with all them guys, dude, because I was a fan of that stuff. Well, I had those guys in my apartment in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. Um, like, yeah, I picked purpose? them up. No, <laughs> yeah, I had to pick them up for um, for Crash, for Billy DeMott. So I brought them back to the apartment. <laughs> yeah, I brought them back to my apartment, and I was working for UWF at the time. And I showed them a couple of those videos. I don't even think they had seen any of that. And they were like, "What's this? Like, ooh, cemento?" I said, "Yeah, you got that right, man." I told I told the guys that I think that I have tapes of you doing like shoot fights for yeah. I, I went UWFI? over to UWFI. Yes, UWFI. Yep. I worked guys like uh, Gene Leidick. I worked uh, Sakuraba. I worked Takayama. Matter of fact, I worked Takayama at Jinku Baseball Stadium, and it's recorded as forty-eight thousand people. With Vader and Takata on top. Damn. So that was, that yeah, that was, what's that? I said you were on that show? Yeah, I was on that show. Um, Greg Bobchick, uh, who worked uh, with. Uh, I know who that is. Vin- yeah, Vince Torelli, who you know is um, Shamrock. Yeah, Shamrock. Yeah, they were all from the same area, South Atlantic Pro Wrestling. And this kid, uh, Greg Bobchick was a really good dude. I worked him. I worked Sakuraba. I worked Matsunaga. I worked um, Takayama is the one that I said was 40,000 people, Jinku Baseball Stadium. Um, I walked out there. Uh, he, what Bob Chick told me, whatever you do, don't go look out at the crowd before you go out there. I'm like, what? I went out to shoot one of the shoots and looked out. and Like, man, you know, 48,000 people. I never seen that many people. For, you know, um, when you, when you came, your entire life, you never seen forty eight thousand people. It, not where I, not I never worked with forty eight oh, in front of four. I worked. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I work. I also worked <laughs> Sup, Sumo Hall and I worked Coracon Hall also. Not uh, the big one. What's the the one they do Tokyo all the concerts Dome. in? The egg. What's Dome? that? Budokan. Oh, Budokan. Yeah, I worked Budokan. Twenty something thousand people. And then when you came back to the states, they tried to work. They they worked that in on ECW. They had you do like a shoot fight thing with Sullivan, I think. Yeah, have him crack me with the bell. That's yeah. a shoot fight. 
I hated what they wanted to do. I hated what they that. wanted to. Yeah, they wanted to shit on me because I took the initiative to go somewhere on my own uh, to better, you know, better my career. You know, mm-hmm. and then it's funny how they worked with, you know, FMW. It was okay for them to work with a Japanese promotion, but they frowned upon me going, and I'm like. And you they know, screwed you. What, they screwed you yeah. with that whole entire deal, because yeah. the whole entire buildup was like, you know what, Tommy Cairo is going to beat the shit out of Kevin Sullivan. And yep. how many times have we seen people that Kevin Sullivan had beat the shit out of? And you're like, all right, finally, somebody's mm-hmm. going to beat the shit out of Kevin Sullivan. And, yeah, and it just was like, what? What the fuck was this? Yeah, stupid. You, you know, totally it, got. It, totally got hosed. Yeah, and you know what's a shame? Uh, it's like people want to question business decisions made at the top of a promotion when they don't realize that the person at the top doesn't necessarily give a crap about whether or not the angle he's doing or what he wants to put together has anything to do with good or bad business. It's just mm-hmm. that they're at on the top, they're in power. It's like the Young Bucks. They're, they're, they shouldn't be booking. It's a mess over there. It's a complete Are you mess. yourself in the same category as the Young Bucks? Oh, sure. I'll, cra- I'll slap the crap out of those two <laughs> kids right now. No, but I'm saying, you know, the, the Young Bucks are, are a perfect example of booking gone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a big mess over there. You got talent up the ass. There's no rhyme or reason to the booking, to the, to the angles. Is it booking um, gone wrong or is it booking going to your head? Well, no, I'll tell you why. Because look at the guys that they have in the back. They got Arn Anderson. They got all intelligent guys in the back. They must just be taking the money and doing whatever the boss right. wants because they're not in charge. You think Arn Anderson is going to run the show the way it's being run right now? I don't think so. I think he doesn't. They don't have any power. They're just collecting a, pay, a paycheck. I don't think anybody gets shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, but if it were if it were me and I was any of those guys and I knew I still was healthy and, I, I of course, I can't physically work anymore, guys like Arn Anderson. Who else is there? I think Jake the Snake is there. Malenko. 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 Come on. You got some of the biggest brain trusts in the business and guys that aren't Come mad at, at the business. Look at Arn. Arn's not mad. He's got no grudge. He's got He's not bitter. That's the best kind of guy to have running a promotion like that. So I can only believe that nobody is giving him or Malenko or Jake the Snake the reins. If they were, I'm sure they could straighten that crap out between them. They got enough years that they could figure it out. Don't you think? So you can't work anymore? You're done? Me? Yeah. I'm retired from my regular work. <laughs> I'm 63, bro. 63? 63. I, <laughs> I met I met well, you, you in nineteen forties. That's hardly a fucking victor I can celebrate. No, I was um, <laughs> in ninety four. Yeah, I was in my thirties. I beat you in my prime, in your prime. Yeah, <laughs> I was none too happy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it had nothing to do with scared. you. It's like it had nothing to do with anybody I was working with. It had to do with the fact that Paulie said to me, "Well, you had your run." Now you got to give other people a chance. Well, you never really finished it. You never utilized me, you know, you to the fullest extent. No. So, no big deal. Listen, I'm a happy, healthy man at 63. I got a little bit of, I have a stent, but I'm good. Um, 
I'm 205 pounds. I got no fat on my body. I still train, still in shape. Um, my family, my wife and I bought a, a vacation home in Virginia on the Chesapeake Bay. I go out there for two weeks. I live here at the Jersey Shore by the water. I stay home for a couple weeks. I go back and forth. Um, I will say that I did see if there were any local promotions in that area down there. And I have scouted a couple of buildings, but that's only out of force of habit. It's not because I'm really planning on doing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like if I if I look at and I talk about it and I look and I, I, I humor myself a little bit, then I come to reality and I'm like, no, you know, I'm not, I don't no. want to work at anything. <laughs> I don't want to do any work. And that's too much no, work. Tell you know? me, I got I, I to tell you when, when we were doing the show review, probably, you know, about 10, 12 shows ago, when, when we came across the match where it was me and you. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm where you had to put me over. And I told him how when we and me and you were talking to Pauly, and Pauly was saying, this is what I want. And then you, you said that he said that he wanted me to slip over. And I looked at you and I went, this guy's going to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally, I said, this guy's going to kill me. Like, like, because you understood that it wasn't right. Right? Well, I yeah. But no, wait a minute. You're 63. It is right. (laughs) (laughs) No, but and listen again. Yeah, again, it was nothing personal. Had nothing to do with you. It was just that you know it wasn't good timing. Um, and it was like you're I was being punished. And I have no problem putting anybody over, but you can't go from what I was doing to that in one quick step. Have a problem putting me over because it was a slip. Right, exactly. A go behind thing. Right. Like at the end of the day, when we came up with the finish, and I guess Paul located, it wasn't like it really killed you. No, it didn't. But I mean, at the same time, I'm just like, this guy is like a staple here. But (laughs) ECW, when you say was a territory, sort of a territory, how many shows did they run per month, do you think? It wasn't a lot. It was um, definitely one show every month at the arena. And then he filled in whenever and wherever he could. And I mean that literally whenever yeah. and wherever. Now, did, did oh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to, I didn't want to cut no, you off, Tommy, but my, my question there is, is I've always wondered, cause okay, I'm from Ohio and I'm 42. So obviously I wasn't Jesus. watching the, the uh, East coast indie scene back then. Right. So what? my question, <laughs> yeah, I know Chad, damn it. Um, <laughs> what, you're, not, you're not following David Bixon? <laughs> no Bix for me. Um, the the uh, the TWA, which was Joel Goodhart's promotion, right. did did ECW like branch from that, or did it just come in and fill a vacuum from that? You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, no. Well, I think there were some of the same people involved, and I don't. Well, Todd Gordon obviously was not involved mm-hmm. with Joel Goodhart, but a lot of the talent was the same talent, you know, the Larry Winters and the Johnny Hotbodies and all those guys. Um, but I think it maybe just filled the void. I don't think there was a direct connection other than it was a similar product based on the uh, popularity, I believe, of mm-hmm. at the time of TWA because nobody was doing what they were doing, you know, getting these, you know, Abdullah the Butcher and getting guys that, we're out on the indies and, and making it uh, uh, something a little different to watch. 
Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. They, uh, they, you know, they still did the same was, thing. They spent way too much money. That's what I was going yeah. to That's what I was going to ask is if, TWA, if TWA just tried to get too big for its britches, it basically wasn't asked. Like, did he just well, kind of his bubble just pop? Yeah. yeah and yeah. and, and hey, that, 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 was, that was, that's what happened to Goodhart. He, um, he just spent too much money and he couldn't yeah. keep spending that kind of money. And then you almost kind of like, it's kind of weird because now you always talk about when wrestling, when they're trying to like outdo themselves. Right. What the fuck else was he going to do? Yeah, yeah. against the Sheik in like 1990, yeah. or what? You know what I mean? Like, what, they would have Bobo Brazil against you know Bruno. Yeah. Well, the only thing I could think of, <laughs> the only thing I could think of that uh, he must have been such a mark that he overpaid for everybody, because I don't see how you couldn't have made money. I believe he was drawing, and you had guys like Abdullah the Butcher and the Sheik who really still at that time we're talking 30 years ago, so they were still able to work. So I, I think they must have well, milked that's still debatable. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> he could still walk around the ring. But I mean, I, I have to believe it was bad business because I don't see how you couldn't have made money unless you were overpaying those guys, which, you know, happens when, mm-hmm. when you don't know any better and, and, you know, you're being taken advantage of. Tommy, you know, I, you've been in the business a long time like I have. Do you not think that Abdullah the Butcher and Eddie Farhat were not taking advantage of that guy? Oh, of course. You know? Yeah. Of course. I mean, it, it, it had to have been like, what do you think? In 1990, 91 money, what, $2,000 is probably now, what, $3,500 nowadays? Yeah, exactly. And that yeah, probably wasn't even the, like that. Probably, that wasn't even travel. Probably that was just to be there, like to work. Probably. Yeah. And, and and then you figure the place drew only like twelve hundred at maybe fifteen twenty dollars a ticket. So yep. yeah, it's, yeah. Um, that guy from the TWA, he he never had he never had a chance. He should have <laughs> yeah. had the. Uh, Midnight Express against the Road Warriors on the goddamn show. Sure. But, but here, here, the difference is if you're in the business like I promoted, people that promoted, like you can make money or you can not lose money because the guy that's going to ask the, the unknown promoter that's never been in the business and doesn't have any pedigree in the business going to charge 1500 where I'm going to get the guy for 450 <laughs> or five hundred, you know what I mean. I never paid that much for a piece of talent in my life. I'm just making an example. Um, just like the local indie guys when I was running my promotions, you know, guys like uh, uh, Ricky Otaz, Ricky O. He wanted to get together with us, and the first thing he said when we had this little meeting that maybe we were thinking about Freddie Rubenstein, Fred, uh, Phil, Phil Barlis, and me. First thing he says, well, well, we got to get these guys together so we can figure out what we're paying them. What he meant was, I'm hooking up with you guys because I want to get your price, Tommy Tyro, because I know you don't pay full price because the workers know better than to ask for an inflated amount because they know that you know what they're worth. And, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not working with this guy, Ricky O. You want to live off my reputation? You want to get my price? What benefit is it for me to have you as a, a partner? The benefit's all on your end. You know, you think you're going to circumvent 
my 30 years in the business and knowing everybody to get my price. No, it's not going to happen. So really today, the only way a promoter can make a dollar is if he really knows the business. And that's not saying that because you were a worker, you know the business. It's not. But I invented things in indie. Yeah, I invented. I invented yeah. things in indie wrestling that nobody did before. Vinyl lawn signs. I, I, I bought I bought boots from fucking Bill Ash and some kites. I'm a worker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I but, worked you know, on a show with Jimmy Boogie oh, Wee Man Valiant. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a worker. He's still working. I know, and, I, and I'm not. He's one of the most fluid guys. If you ever see the way he used to work, it was like poetry in motion. For even as an old guy, I'll tell you what was poetry in motion is. We booked him for a show in like 1991, and when he said, "When you book the boogie woogie man, you get him for the whole entire day," and he, and and the, the promoter, Dennis Whipwreck, you probably know him. That's yeah, how he got his name. He gave him a sign to promote the wrestling show and he put him out oh. on the street corner. Oh my and, god. And Jimmy Valiant said he didn't give a shit about doing did, it. Did Big Mama <laughs> pull up and try to get him in the car? <laughs> people were shit. people were giving him change. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> giving him change. Somebody handed him because he didn't have any tools. Yeah, I was a big uh, Valiant Brothers fan as a young as a young guy. I, I was that. gonna I was gonna ask that about that. Like, were they when you? Because I know you and you and I talked before. You talked about that was your obviously where you came up. That was the the wrestling you watched when you were younger. And were you a fan? Were you a fan of? Uh, were you a Bruno guy or were you a fan oh of my heels? God. Or all right, let let me let me explain this to you real quick. I'm about I don't know eight, between eight I'm probably about eight years old. Um, I started watching wrestling, and on this particular night, it's a, they've advertised it the week before. This is out of Washington, D.C. Ray Morgan is the announcer, WWF. They announced it the week before. Next week, Baron Sakluna and I guess it was King Curtis, I'm not sure, will we'll face Bruno Sammartino and his cousin, Kayfabe, Antonio Pugliese, a.k.a. Tony Parisi, mm-hmm. was Bruno's gimmick cousin. So it comes time for the match. They introduce the heels. They're in the ring. They introduce Antonio Pugliese, and he comes out to the ring and no Bruno. So what happens? They jump Pugliese and double team him. Then all of a sudden, the promoter, the uh, ring announcer says, or the announcer, oh, look at this. Bruno just showed up from the airport. He just arrived from the airport. He runs out. He's got his, his suitcase with like a shirt hanging out of his suitcase. He's got his tie down, no shirt on, dress pants. He runs in the ring. They go back to back him and Antonio Pugliese. They fight off the heels and they stand victorious in the middle of the ring. That's it. Hooked. Hook, line, and sinker. I was hooked. I'm screaming, Bruno. I love how you just told a great story. Great story. Yeah. And, and he, my wife had everything. And in the background yep. is the ice cream man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm laughing, going, he's telling this great story about Tony Parisi and Bruno. Baron Miguel Cluna. Well, I mean, how many great stories ever conclude Baron Miguel Cluna? But exactly. he's telling the story about it. And then here I have the ice cream man. <laughs> I'm like, going, does anybody else not hear this? 
I was wondering where that was coming from. <laughs> but so you know, that's it. I was hooked, and I became a Bruno fan, and went to my first live match at Newark Armory at ten years old, and saw Bruno against Bulldog Brower. And I'll never forget the magazine that was on sale that month was at at the show. It had a picture of Bulldog Brower all bloody, and it mm-hmm. said. Um, uh, Valentine signs Brower's death certificate in hot blood. Hang on, I mean, hang on, Tommy. Was that the one that said that, that um, it had Valentine with the blood running down the side of his face? Yeah, yeah. And, and it had fucking Valentine with the finger, and it said yep. like, "All right, I, 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 yep. that was Wrestling Review." Yes, it was Wrestling Review, nineteen sixty-eight. Fuck, I, I'm, I'm terrible. I, I, I know too much nonsense. <laughs> Jesus. I know. I, I feel the same way. All right, here, here's one for you. Somebody uh, go choke that guy out with that machine, please. Anyway, no, okay, did I I'm take this? ready to get a fucking coconut. You guys want one? Yeah. Yeah, give me a rocket yeah. pop. <laughs> I told, I told you the story about <laughs> Ivan Koloff's tattoo, right? No. So Ivan Koloff was re- wrestled. He wrestled as Red McNulty. That was his first working name. At that time, if you see any picture of him before he was Ivan Koloff, and maybe even in the beginning of Ivan Koloff, he has a tattoo, giant tattoo, of an eagle. Later on, deeper in his gimmick, he had a Russian sickle added. The Russian sickle goes down into the eagle's eye, and then there's blood spurting from the eye. So, oh, again, I, I mean, he, he, didn't ha- he didn't have it originally, but he must have been so into his gimmick, he said, how can I walk around? I'm, I'm, I'm a, a guy from the South with a, a Russian accent, and I got a, an eagle on my arm. That's the symbol of America. Mm-hmm. So I'm so into my gimmick, I, I get it really too. I have a call out his arm. Well, I have a picture that's uh, I could send. I I'll send. I, I never. I would have. I, I would have never guessed. Yep. Because I right. never really looked at Ivan Koloff's arms that much. That that's just to make a point of the stupid stuff yeah, that we that, know because that, we're wrestling that's, fans. That's, that's, <laughs> that's keeping in character, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, Carl von Hest had his cha- name changed <laughs> to Carl von Hest legally. We got to get rid of that ice cream guy. Yeah, <laughs> you got, you got, you got to keep this. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm every bit of this is going on the air, but yeah, it's fun as shit. But <laughs> is, is that ice cream truck? Is, is, is it just parked in your yard, Chad? What's going on? Yeah, it's like the story I told of uh, Johnny Rods. I'm 17 or 18 years old, and I'm working at South Mountain Arena. In, in West Orange, New Jersey. And while I'm working there, the event that weekend is going to be WWF wrestling. So, of course, I'm a big fan. All I want to do is get in the back and talk to the guys. Anyway, I got to talk to a bunch of people. But I was standing on top in the bleachers and looking down, and I could see the back of the curtain, the chute that they would come out, where the Zamboni comes out. Mm-hmm. Johnny Rods is standing down there waiting to go out the curtain. I hollered down. Java Rook. He spins around his head. He looks at me and he cracks a smile. Get the fuck out of here. Years ago, of course, many years later when I was in the business, some 10 years later, 
I of course I meet Johnny Ross, one of the first guys I meet in the business, and I said to him, "Do you remember years ago South Mountain Arena? Some little kids, because I'm a little kid. I was 18. Some teenage kid screamed to you, Java Rook, and your head spun around. He goes, that was you, you stupid jerk.' Tommy, I go, yeah. Tommy, <laughs> hang on, hang on, wipe it down, wipe it down. <laughs> um, I, I, I did. I mean." You saying Java Root really just blew my mind because I don't know a whole lot of people that knew Johnny Roz as Java Root. Right. That's the point. I, well, that's why I'm bringing it up. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, I just watched him in like all Japan like recently. Oh. Well, I mean, but the only, reason, the only reason I knew that was because I examined the magazines. And I saw pictures of Johnny Rods in New York from a show, and then pictures in a different book of Johnny Rods from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, LA, the funny right. the funny thing about guys that left here that were mid card or jobbers would go to L.A. and become America's champion. Guys like right. Butcher Brannigan, mm-hmm. um, Johnny Rods also was America's champion. And as you know, at the time he was lucky if he was mid card. Anybody can be America's champion. <laughs> Yeah, well, but it, but it was they were presented as stars. Kenny Von Erich you know? was America's champion in Dallas, <laughs> I think. Really? Yeah, but that was a different promotion. The Gene LaBelle, Mike LaBelle, L.A. was um, N.W.A. Actually. Yeah, Johnny Rods was a was a big star in L.A. That was. Um, yeah. I'm I'm actually kind of glad that you said that because I've brought it up a couple times to friends of mine about. Um, Java Rook, like yeah. you know, it's kind of like I love that. Nobody knows. I love you know? and then, and I then love when the you see a, when, when you see a video with him and he's wearing like a all Japan warm up suit. Yes. Yep. How did he get that? Oh, yeah. Did somebody bring it back for him? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> those, those guys all went to Japan. Davey O'Hannon. All of those guys went to Japan and were used fairly decent. Over there. In those days, you know, I guess there wasn't a ton of guys that wanted to go, but there was plenty of guys that went that weren't the biggest stars here that went to Japan. I remember a fan going up to, it was a, a, fa- a fan club member, went up to Davey O'Hannon and told him, look, it was an early rag sheet, an early, uh, you know, dirt sheet. And it said uh, top 20 in the world and it listed Davey O'Hannon. In the top twenty, the kid was all excited. I'm, you know, he was a fan club president, so a lot of guys made the rounds over there. You know, I mean, look at even Jose Estrada; he was a junior heavyweight champion for a while. He was in Japan; he fought in Japan. Dude, I, I would love to have worked Jose Jose Estrada, and same oh, with yeah. Johnny. Sure, I mean, you, you worked with Johnny. Yeah, I worked I, with Johnny with him under the mask as the medic. What's that? I worked with Johnny with him under the mask as the medic. For a while, he wore, like, scrubs and a a mask. You know, towards the end when maybe Mm -hmm. he would work with one of his students to break them in on a show or something, be in a tag match. So I remember being in a tag match. Like when you you throw him into the buckle and and he does that deal where he hits his head and he walks around all dumb looking. Yep. He did all that shit. 
And then he throws the wild punches. I mean, yep. nobody's seen more Johnny Rods matches than me. Yep. I think awesome. it's on my resume of guys that I've beaten. Yeah. I, do, you, do you remember how he used to do that? Like, he would use the second rope to elevate himself to stomp a guy. Right. Just a, would, a unique <laughs> little thing. You know, just a little thing. Like, let me let me give it more emphasis, you know, to stomp him on, bounce it off the rope, you know. He would also do it for the headbutt. Yes. That's what I meant. Yep. Like, he would also yeah. do it like when, when SD Special Delivery Jones. Jesus, is he still alive? When, when I don't think so. Run the, uh, no, he passed away. He's no, dead. Well, when he would run the guy's head, when he would run Johnny Rods' head into the buckle, because it was the one win SD Jones was getting in the month of August. And right. He he hit the he hit his head and Johnny Rods would bounce off the um, you know the bottom ropes, yes. yeah, like, get that spot and 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 you know as well as I know that ring was not a fucking soft ring. No, well originally they used a boxing ring. Um, originally in the garden, especially it was a four rope velvet ropes, red velvet ropes. It was a boxing ring. It was like twenty two foot long. You had to run across the ring. You know that that's one of my pet peeves when I see these guys. Even today, they do it. They take a guy out of out of the corner and they stop mid ring, and the guy's got to run the rest of the way. Like you know, run with him, send his ass in there, so he's got no no recourse but to go into the corner. You know, when you I, stop mid way, I, I, I got I to gotta be honest, Tommy. I am so with you on that, and 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 nope. And the first time I heard about it is when Jim Cornette brought it up. Really? And, and then I just said, you're fucking right. Like, when a guy really? whips a guy out of the corner and he just pats him on his back and sends him to the corner. And the yeah, why would that guy keep running? Right over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't he just take two, what, two steps and stop? Yeah. You what, know? Su- what superpower does this gentleman have? Why exactly. would he not go at all? Exactly. The guy, the guy, the guy clearly didn't show any effort. Yeah. Throw you ahead there, but yeah, yep. I, just, I, I hated that. Like, um, you, you know, I was a big fan of the Chris Benoit one. When Chris Benoit would grab you by your wrist, and when he would yeah. buckle, buckle you, he would um, he would like he would take a bump with you, mm-hmm. like he right. would drag you out of the buckle. But he had both his hands on your wrist, so he right. was you know, throwing you into the fucking buckle. And it's not like you're going to be like, you, you don't even have any time to turn around. Right, exactly. You got no choice. As fast as he's throwing it the buckle. You got a fucking rocket strapped to you at that point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other it's not, big... It's not like you can, you can plan for the, for the spot. <laughs> this is when he does it, you're just like, poof. You got a mouth full yeah. of fucking... You, you, you talked. You talked about working with Johnny Rods, Tommy. Call, call me stupid. I thought you were trained by Johnny Rods. I guess you weren't. No, um, I wasn't. I was actually trained by Ted Petty uh, and Bobby Bold Eagle. You know Bobby Bold Eagle, who he is. No, I know Ted Petty. Uh, Ted Petty, of course, was Rocko Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, Johnny Cheetah, Cheetah Kid. Yep. Um, I basically was trained by Teddy, and then. I started to go to Gleason's gym and a guy by the name of Bobby Cortez, who was an international junior heavyweight in the 60s and 70s, 
he had a, a, a ring underneath Gleason's gym in a parking garage. Uh, and from my training with Teddy, I basically went over to him. And then I went on a road with the ring truck for like six months with Davy G, the masked Russian guy. They called the masked Russian. And we went all <laughs> down the East Coast, set up the ring, you know, uh, worked work the show. Jules Strongbow, a whole bunch of guys up and down, up into New England. Uh, and that was it. Basically, after about three months, I was on the road and set up the ring and trained with Teddy and anybody else that I could grab. Um, always after we set up the ring, an hour, hour and a half, whenever we could. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot as I went along. But my basis of training was on Gary Michael Capetta's family's pier outside in a ring in the hot sun in on in Jersey Shore in Seaside, New Jersey. You can't talk shit about the Sandman. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> now, oh, yeah, Hack can. and uh, I got along. We got along wonderfully. What about uh, any stories about well, yeah. our uh, per- one of yeah, our did you have the favorites. same appetite? I'm sorry. I, you were both talking. Say it again. I'm sorry. Did, did you have the same appetite? Oh, yeah. Um, very much so. Very much so. Um, I mean, there, you know, weed was was the, the main thing. And then, you know, there was always the painkillers. But I'll be honest with you. There wasn't a lot of coke going around that so much at the time. Here and there, it got, I think, worse at some point after I left. But it was pretty harmless for the most part. Um, you know, Hack and I got along good. There's one time, I don't know if you know how we, Chad, if you remember how we used to do the interviews. So as the camera's facing you and you're, you're doing your, your promo, everybody in the locker room is looking at you. So they're behind the cameraman. So you're you're doing this promo, looking at everybody, you know, and and there's always pressure because it's at the end of the night, it's two o'clock in the morning. You want to get, you know, one or two takes and get done so nobody's, like, moaning and groaning. So me, me and uh, Hawk, uh, Mike, had, we went in the back and we, we blew a big, big, big joint. And we came back. And he did an interview, and it was really good. He did a promo. They cut a promo. It was really good. Everybody clapped afterwards. And he looked at over at me, and he goes, I dedicate that interview to Tommy Cairo because he's got the best bones. <laughs> You know, and, and that was the hard part about doing those interviews. I never liked that. So I would always that like sucks, to try to man. grab. Yeah, it's like everybody's looking at you. You know, I can't do um, can't do it that way. Tommy, you probably see what what sucks is. Well, that's not the ice cream guy. But um, what can, what happened <laughs> was I came along right after you. So right. you were on your, you were kind of on your way out. Right. So I, I had to like, not that I had to see you leave or right. you know watch you leave. It just is what happened. And yeah. then I, I, I'm stuck in a position where I don't fucking know anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know anybody here, you know? And how much then, longer did you, how much longer did you stay? Too long. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I stayed too long. I stayed until he hired these two big black guys called the fucking gangsters. And that was the uh, last time you saw Chad Austin and ECW, you, of course. You were, there, you, were there in, you were there in the 96, weren't you, Chad? 
Yeah. My my yeah. my last match was against the gangsters. Yeah, I don't think I Joe, made that's when 95. Joey Stout says that's when Joey Stell says, I don't think we'll see Chad Austin at ECW ever again. And that's how wow. I realized I got fired. Yeah, I don't know. I listen, it was a weird dynamic there. And here's the bottom line. Anybody could say anything they want about how great Paulie was. Bottom line is he ran the business into the ground. He, 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 he used millions or a couple million dollars of his parents' money. Um, it didn't work. It wasn't successful. And he still owes tons of people money. So in my book, it's the guys that made that promotion what it was. Paulie didn't do anything more but orchestrate it. And it, anybody else could have done the same job he did. He didn't do anything new or different. It was a repeat of stuff that had already been you done. Paulie. What's that? You said Oli. Paulie. Paulie. Okay. Paulie. All right. But you said Oli. Am I not wrong? No. I said Paulie. Okay. Anyway. Go ahead. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying. I really don't believe that he's any kind of a genius. And he screwed a lot of people. And like I said, it was the guys that put the effort in. That made that product what it was. Um, I think we could have done pretty much the same business with uh, with, with, with uh, Eddie Gilbert, um, and I think Todd had enough. And the Canadian uh, Wolfman. Oh, remember him? And remember the sailor? Wasn't there, there some sailor guy? I mean, Herve Ernesto. <laughs> yeah. Fuck what about uh, God. Uh, what, what about a personal that? favorite of us, Sal Balomo? You got any Sal Balomo stories? Oh. My favorite, my favorite guy. I love Sal. I love Sal. He used to bring me um, Glacier Freeze. It was this uh, snuff, a little bit of snuff that came from, like, I don't know, Norway or some crap. Um, and a hell of a worker um, and a great guy. <clears throat> I love Sal. Dude, how, how, um, how un... Like, I don't want to say professional, but how... In the back, was he not about wrestling? Like you couldn't get I don't him know. to talk about wrestling in the locker. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he just, oh, I don't he know. Was, he was to the kids, the kids. <laughs> yeah, he was big with big with the kids. Yep, I'll I'm never forget sure the time he came to the he came to the ring in those big white like space snow boots. Did you see those? You ever see those? <laughs> yeah, we met <laughs> well. <laughs> I seen him pull up in a van, and he had a big and stuffed animals fell out when he opened the side door. Oh my god! <laughs> like, like they had a, at the ECW arena, and I go, "Who is that?" And so I go, "That's Sal Bologna. And I was like, "Oh boy!" What did he Sal, say, Chad? Didn't Chad? Didn't you say the helmet that he wore was just sat in the arena forever? In the yeah, it was in a, Tommy. You know where that's at on the other side? Yeah, of the that you Roman know? hat. Yep, the Roman hat <laughs> with well, the brush on big, top. That big palm tree <laughs> thing too. Yep. Oh, Sal. If you watch, if you watch later on on ECW TV, they used it. They used that as an entrance. Really? For, like, I think when Steve Austin was in. Oh they used my god! It as an entrance. And Let me tell you something, Sal. In the back. He was a hell of a worker, Sal. Let me tell you, bro. As big as he was, he was a big son of a bitch. People don't realize. He was like, at the end, he was close to 300 pounds and six foot four. Big guy. Well, I wasn't taking that donkey kick. <laughs> no, he had those had those big heavy boots at one time, too. That were, 
God forbid you got kicked with one and out. It, it wasn't only that. It was the fact that I wasn't just taking Oh, somebody asked about, uh, was there any heat uh, when we did the peaches thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't get any problem from um, the networks or anything. But we, I got the most amount of feedback from other workers that to this day will reference that guard, what they call the garden interview. When I did the garden interview and said, you know, sitting here mm-hmm. eating peaches and so on and so forth. Um, it was very controversial for the time. <clears throat> but like I said, the most feedback I've gotten is from other people in the business. Billy Real just basically um, referenced that saying, Uncle Tommy gave me good, good advice for a growing boy, eat your vegetables and peaches. So <laughs> they're still referencing, you know, that or they, that, that, and, that, that promo that because there was and we haven't gotten there in our show reviews yet, but there's a there's a segment in once they move the feud on from you, like you said, they took your feud and just pretty much handed it to Dreamer. Right. Once that happened, there's another there's a time in there where they actually show a promo from you about that situation. Yes. Were they going to work you back into the angle? Because then it kind of goes away again. Yeah, it's funny because when I did that interview, I had showed up and I went from like the high and tight haircut to having a little bit more hair. I looked different uh, and I had come back recently. And I guess I think. There was a plan to re, you know, restart that, but somewhere it fell apart. That's a good question because I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember exactly what happened, um, but it was shortly after that when things started to go bad for me. How did you How did you find out like you were done? Well, you know what? The funny thing is I basically took myself – out of the picture, and I'll tell you why. At the time, funny, fast forward all these years, and I'm still dealing with my back. But my back was out. It was horrible. And I didn't like what they were doing with me, and I didn't know what was happening. So I took my last dates, and it just disappeared. I think that's when I went to work directly for Dennis Corluzzo at that time. And I worked with Dan Severn and all that around the loop for a while. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that was uh, when when Todd heard that promo. He's like, "Who was that?" They were like, "That was Tommy Cairo." He was like, "Wow, oh, you never did promos like that before." Yeah, because you never you never let me. You know, mm-hmm. um, that was a pretty good promo, and it was pretty real. We did another one after that from um, outside of somebody's building, as if it was Sandman's condo, and I was staying there with peaches. We're standing outside. I got a. I was in the construction gimmick, further proof that Paulie was trying to bury me. I had a Carhartt coat on, no, no <laughs> shirt. Yeah. I painted a, a, a safety hat, a construction hard hat, silver, and I did that gimmick for a little while. Um, that was his idea. You know, I made the best of it, and I still think it still works. Please tell me it was in the ICW. What was ICW? <laughs> Were you doing that gimmick in the ICW for some old? No, no. I only worked. I only worked for them a couple times. Man, they sure they shorted me on my money once, and uh, I never let them get away with it. And then we were at a convention, and Mario Savoldi was up at the uh, ready to take the mic, and I holler out real, real loud, "Hey, Savoldi, where's the rest of my money?" Well, the whole place popped. 
Cauliflower Alley Convention. <laughs> yeah, because he probably owed everybody money, you know? <laughs> I, you know, kid, we're, we had a lighthouse. I said, I don't give a shit. Give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's basically, uh, you know. I have so many you know, questions. So I many questions. Do, we'll do it again. But we're running out of time. <laughs> All right. Well, so. We definitely have to have you back on again. Absolutely, we've been through we've been through uh, ice cream trucks tonight, and yeah, and all kinds of an adventure. But it's been a pleasure having you, Tommy. Excellent. Listen, I have so much to tell you, and Chad knows he's done it all too. Been there, done that. We got a lot of stories, and as we go through this, maybe get together a few more times. Other stuff will become unlocked from the vault because I well, forgot we stuff. Pay people, okay. That's okay. Free. Yeah, that's okay. Empty. Don't yeah. tear it away. No, I mean in my vault in my head. Yeah. I'm the cheapest promoter in the world, Tommy. Sorry. That's all right. Listen, if I was in it for money, I'd have been gone a long time ago. <laughs> this is all we can get now is somebody gives a crap about some of the stuff that we did. That's the only payback we get. And look. Vince paid me back. He's been airing my matches from ECW for I don't know how many years now. I got a bunch of stuff I got to send out now. I get envelopes in the mail every week. People sending me pictures. I get every week I get pictures in the mail. People send me self-addressed envelopes with pictures because they're new fans of what I did in the 90s because they're watching it on WWE 24-7. Tommy, I got a fucking – I got a thing in the mail – um, a couple months ago from somebody in like Montana sure, that said he was a big fan of mine. And Absolutely. He wanted, me to, he wanted me to sign this like index card. Like, <laughs> Isn't that sad? And they I sent you an index. Wife, I, said, I said, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> like, that's fucking, that guy set me up for something. <laughs> it's no. an insurance scam. <laughs> He's going to murder somebody yeah. and leave it there. <laughs> He's not really a fan of mine. Nah, he is. He's been watching you on WWE 24-7. Do you know how many years they've been airing that stuff? Well, somebody needs to look into his parroting skills. Because <laughs> that, 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 kid, hey, listen. that kid is not is not being well taken care of. Hey, listen. Enjoy that and take it for what it's worth. You put some time in. Anybody likes or has anything good to say about what you did, it's a beautiful thing, bro. You know what I mean? I welcome it. If anybody gives a shit about what I did in 1994, that's pretty amazing to me, you know? Yeah, nobody so gives a will... shit Nah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, not. Not a whole bunch of people. Maybe a few. A few. A few dozen. Anyway, I'm, I'm watching I'll, Sammy. I'll, 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 I'll give you that, a few dozen. Yep. I'm watching Sammy Callahan. He looks like a chubby girl. <laughs> yeah, what happened to him? He's like a bear. He, he looks like a chubby girl. Dude, I actually thought you, you said he looks like chum. No. Like, because it's Shark Week. Ah. <laughs> Listen, if you... Like, yeah. I'm watching this. Callahan in a basket? It's bad oh, enough having to go in the house and watch AEW. <laughs> 
So no, I'm not watching your Sandra Kelly. <laughs> no. no, this is this was on. This is a uh, old uh, Impact or something. I don't give yeah. a shit how old it is. I'm never gonna see fucking <laughs> potato, baked potato, but Sammy Callahan, whatever <laughs> he looks like. Well, I I got heat with I got heat with him because how I closed one of my promotions and he came in thinking he was a big shot. It's just lucky for him that this at the time fifty something year old guy didn't clean his clock. And if I ever had the opportunity, I'll still have a couple words for him. I think he's a piece of crap. I well, think he's not good for the business at all. He's got heat with a lot of, of companies, even some of the ones here in Maryland that are really reputable. Right. You know, Maryland Championship Wrestling and Ring of Honor runs out of Maryland, and they had their reluctancies as far as dealing with it. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't are you, there, so. are you still down that way? Where are you? I'm in Baltimore. Oh, I'm in, I got a place in Reedville, Virginia. You know where that is on the Chesapeake Bay on the mainland side of Virginia. Yeah, they call it they call it the Northern Neck. Yeah, I got a place right there. right there. <laughs> yep, I got a place right there on the Chesapeake Bay. It's fucking beautiful. I love. Well, it. How about this? I'm going to Myrtle Beach in two weeks. I'll drive by and I'll wave at you. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> you better wave from Tommy the boat. Right. <laughs> well, Tommy, right, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Whenever you uh, you need me, let me know a day ahead of time. All right, will do. Thank you, sir. All right, Chad, it was good seeing you, buddy. Be good. Hey, buddy. Take care, sir. Stay healthy, huh? Thanks. All right. And listen, all you guys, stay in touch with yourselves, all right? Hey, yo. All right. See you. See ya. Reliving the Extreme is a production of Max and Out Media, all rights reserved.